0: Hey guys, I'm going to go ahead and hop right into the message today. Uh, Just want to say once again, thank you for being here. If this is your first time, so glad that you are here. My name is Pastor Trevor. Fill out a connect card at some point before you leave today and you can drop it off right there at the back. We'll give you a free t-shirt. Just want to say thanks for being here and we will connect with you a little bit more. But hey, we've been in a series all about the book of Nehemiah. Come on, Nehemiah has been a ton of fun and uh, we are in Nehemiah 6 now. Guys, we are zooming through this, all right? There's going to be a a message in a few weeks that actually covers a lot. We've been going chapter by chapter, mainly because it makes sense to go chapter by chapter, but there is uh, uh, not next week. I have a special message next week, like I said, that we're actually going off of Nehemiah just for next week, and I want you guys to come back for it because it's that important. We're like putting it right in the middle of an established series. That's how important this message is for next week. So please come back. And then we'll go back to Nehemiah, I believe it's 7 through 12. We're going to cover all of that in one Sunday, two weeks from now. But today, we're talking about Nehemiah 6. Nehemiah 6. So if you have your Bibles with you, or if you have it on your iPhone uh, or Google, if you, know, if you haven't already just succumbed to the iPhone and Apple world, come on now. Uh, I have all of it. I got an iPad and an iPhone here. Who has an Android? Android still. All right, you got an Android. Let me see my Android people. All right, you guys are the rebels. You know what I'm saying? Like, y'all are like, nah, we're not doing that Apple stuff. I don't like it. But hey, uh, we're going to Nehemiah 6. Get your Bible ready for that. And I have a story that I want to start off by telling, and I think it kind of sets up the message that I have for you today. It's a very familiar story, as a matter of fact, and it is, uh, it is the three little pigs. And yes, uh, we are telling a children's story here in relation to Nehemiah 6, in relation to the Bible. Yes, it's possible. Hang out with me. We'll see where it goes. So the three little pigs, what is the story of the three little pigs? Well, of course, there are three little pigs, and there is a big, bad story. Wolf. He is an awful wolf. We don't like the wolf. He wants to eat our friendly little pigs, okay? Uh, And so they're building these homes. They have three homes that they build. The first one builds a home out of straw. It's kind of lazy. He didn't really want to put in too much work. He just wanted the thing to be done, all right? So he builds his home out of straw. The second little pig builds his house out of sticks. A little better. We're getting somewhere, all right? So it's got a little bit more strength to it. And then the third one builds his home out of brick. And what do we learn about these three little pigs? Well, the first one, I mean, he's real lazy. He just wants to get it done so that he can go play Xbox, all right? Like, he's just trying to hang out with his friends. You know, this is like one of these kinds of guys. Then the next one, he builds his out of sticks, which is a little bit better, right? Maybe he's wanting to go out with his girl, you know what I'm saying? Like, Little Miss Piggy, he's trying to go out on a date, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's trying to have a good time, and he doesn't want to spend too much time on this house that he's building. He do not want to spend too much money, you know, whatever it is. But then the third one, he's taking all day long. He's taking all week long. All my, it's been a long time because he's building his out of bricks, and he is a strong and a hard-working little pig. He's working real hard. And then the big bad wolf comes, what ends up happening? We know that he says, I'm going to huff, I'm going to puff, and I'm going to Blow your house down. He talks to that first one. And what happens? That house of straw immediately just crumbles. Like there's just nothing there. So what's a little pig do? He's trying not to get it eaten. And so he runs away and goes to that little pig's house that built his out of sticks. Now we have two little pigs in the house of sticks and the big bad wolf comes up and he says i'm gonna huff and puff and blow your house down and they say Nuh-uh, no you're not not by the hair of my chinny chin chin and he's like you just watch okay and so he he gets that big huff and puff and then he blows that one a little bit harder and that thing comes down and now we have two little pigs that are on the on the loose like they're frantically running around trying to figure out where the other house is so they run into their brother's house that has uh the brick it's made out of brick they run in He says, I'm going to huff and puff and blow your house down. He said, not by the hair of my chinny-chin-chin. No, you are not. And he huffs and he puffs and he blows and nothing happens. And he's getting a little frustrated. He's like, the other two are a lot easier than this. I am hungry. I'm trying to get some pork. I'm trying to get some snack. You know what I'm saying? This is a nice, healthy dinner for me and my wolf family, okay? And so he's trying to huff and puff. He does it again and it doesn't happen. And now he's getting real frustrated. And so what does he do? He climbs up onto the roof and goes through the chimney and ends up going down and what happens is he gets boiled in a big pot of water, okay? I know you don't actually hear the end of the story. I'll say I'll spare you the rest of the story, but if you know it, you know it. But he gets boiled in a big pot of water and the three little pigs are victorious. Okay, why did I tell that story? It actually relates to another verse and another passage in the Bible that relates to Nehemiah 6. All right, so just follow along with me here today. We're gonna go to Luke 6, 47 through 49 first. And I wanna make sure that we read this part before we get to Nehemiah 6. It says this, "'Everyone who comes to me and hears my words "'and does them, I will show you what he is like.'" The point of the message today is that there are so many things that we can build our lives on. Amen? There's a lot of things that you can build your life on. You can build it on, uh, you know, we even just talked about it a little bit ago. Maybe you have some success in your own uh, business world. or You have some success in your family or or you build it on uh, your work. You build it on whatever it is that you have on your own uh, charisma and your personality. Whatever it is that you want to build your life on, it could be built on bad things. It could be built on evil. It could be built on sin. I don't know. But at the end of the day, there's so many things we build our lives on. But if you build your life on God, you'll be able to withstand any storm that comes your way. Somebody say, amen. The title today is Built by God. Can you say built by God? God. All right. So uh, Nehemiah 6, 1 through 2, we're actually going to get to Nehemiah now. And I'm going to show you how it kind of all comes together here. When word came to Sanballat, Tobiah Geshem the Arab, and the rest of our enemies, that I had rebuilt the wall. Remember in our story, Nehemiah was rebuilding the wall of Jerusalem, and we've been through six chapters now. At the very beginning, he prayed and fasted. He goes to the king in Babylon, and says, need to go back to Jerusalem to rebuild this wall. Then he formulates a plan communicates the plan to everybody. They start rebuilding. Remember, it's next to him and next to him and next to him. They're rebuilding this wall. So they have community. Everybody's involved. No one is taking a break. Everybody's in on this thing. And they start to rebuild the wall. And then they get to this point right here. And I love this. The rest of our enemies heard that I had rebuilt the wall and not a gap was left in it. Though up to that time, I had not set the doors in the gates. That's the last thing that he had left to do. Sanbalet and Geshem sent me this message, message. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Onom. Listen, I love that verse where it says, there was not a gap left in it. Isn't that amazing? All these people had got together, all these uh, Jews had got together and said, hey, we're going to put this part together. I'm going to take responsibility for this part. I'm going to build this part outside of my house. You guys build this part. I'll help you. Remember the nobles were working with the poor. The rich, we're working with the celebrities, we're working with the governors, we're working with the perfume makers, the goldsmiths, the, every single person in Jerusalem had a part to play in building this wall up. And I just love that it. it says that there was not a gap in it, because we know when you're built by God, that God will fill the gaps, amen? Like, God's going to fill in the gaps. He doesn't do anything halfway, And in ancient battles, right, we've talked a little bit about this, about why the wall was actually important in the first place. But in ancient battles, if a fortress was penetrated, if that wall was penetrated, even by a small amount, just enough for a few people to get through it, the whole city could be taken. Come on, you've seen Lord of the Rings, right? You know what I'm talking about, okay? If the wall just barely penetrated, you get a few people through there, the whole city gets taken so it's very important for there not to be any gaps in the wall and if a ship has a tiny tiny hole in the bottom of it what's eventually going to happen to that ship it's going to sink Now you might think well it's just a small little hole it's a small little problem. It's a small little issue, but, but eventually that small little issue could turn into more parts of the ship breaking apart, or it could, the water could just come through there, and eventually the whole thing is going to sink. There is no way around it, but God will fill in the gaps. Let me tell you, the Bible says this. It says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, right? We've all sinned. We all have mistakes. What does that mean? It means that you have gaps. It means that you have gaps in your life. I hate to break it to you, but you're not perfect. Okay, I'm so sorry. Look at the person next to you and say, you're not perfect. Now look at the person next to you and say, you're really not perfect. No, because I chose you second. (laughs) And now we're going to have those conversations with your spouse in the car on the way home. Like, you said that I wasn't perfect. Pastor told me to, okay? He told me to say it. My hands are clean, okay? Listen, we have all fallen short of the glory of God, and we're not perfect. You have gaps. You have gaps in your life. On your own, you're going to have gaps. Areas where you're not strong. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's addiction, Maybe it's this, this, this depression that you have in your life that you can't seem to get over. Maybe uh, it's something in your life that you would only know. Maybe no one else even knows what's going on, but you know personally, hey, I have this gap in my life, somewhere where I'm weak, somewhere where I have difficulty, somewhere where I have trouble in my life. Listen, we all have it, and it's okay to admit that. In fact, we see Paul in 1 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10, he says this, He said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. He's talking about God speaking to him. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That's why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and insults. In hardships, in persecutions, and in difficulties. Listen, in insult. See, like you can delight in the insult that you just said that you're not perfect. There you go. Just be happy about it, all right? It's okay, guys. For when I am weak, then I am what? Strong. For when I am weak, then I am strong. How does that make any sense? Well, it's because God fills the gaps of your weaknesses with his strength. Isn't that good news? Come on, when I'm weak, he's strong. When I have trouble in my life, God is going to be able to handle every weakness that I have and he's going to fill the little gaps where I am messed up, where I have problems. Listen, God is perfect. There is no problem with him at all and he is bigger than any weakness that you have. And if you will let him, he will start to fill in those little gaps and you'll start to become strong and you can rejoice in your own weaknesses because you know, hey, even though I'm not naturally good in this area of my life, man, I'm getting better. Why? Because of God. It has nothing to do with me, but it's because God is helping me to be better with my family. He's helping me to be better at my job. He's helping me to be better with that anger and and me losing patience and whatever it might be for you. So when you feel like you're failing as a Christian, I think this is something that we all need to hear. When you feel like you're failing as a Christian, normally what we do is we kind of just beat ourselves up, right? Like, I'm so bad. I'm not doing this well. I have gaps. I have problems. I still have issues. and, And I can't figure these things out. And you keep struggling with the same thing over and over again. Listen, don't beat yourself up and start living in condemnation because that's not from God. What should you say? Say something like, God, I'm weak in this area. So I need you to be strong in me. I'm weak in this, and there's no way that I can do this on my own. I don't have patience for these kids today, so, Lord, you're going to have to infuse it into my soul for these children, because I ain't got no more patience left, Lord. I'm at the end, all right? And all the parents said, amen. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. I need some help in this area today. God, you're going to have to do it within me, because I can't do it on my own. Here's the good news. God doesn't build things halfway, amen? God doesn't build anything halfway. So if you feel like that you're struggling, you feel like that you're a Christian, I've been a Christian for a while and I'm still dealing with some of these things. Listen, you are just a work in progress and you gotta be able to give yourself some grace. Give yourself the same grace that God gives to you. I know for me in my life, I've beat myself up so many times because I feel like I should be farther along in my faith. I feel like I should be better and I should have learned some of these things already. And I know that's a universal human thing to think and feel. You're like, man, I should be here. I should be there. I should be doing this. Listen, Jesus has enough grace for you when you mess up, but you just gotta remember to go to him when you do mess up, amen? And then he will start to fill in those gaps for you. God doesn't build things halfway. The Bible says that he is faithful to complete the work. In fact, let me show you where it says that. Philippians six. it says, I am certain that God who began the work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. That is some good news, amen? That God is going to finish the work that he started in you. You feel like I'm only halfway, like I'm a Christian now, but I don't really know everything. I don't know my Bible well enough. I don't really know how to pray. And sometimes I mess up and I don't really pray that much. And man, when's the last time that I went to church or whatever it might be? And you start to think about these things. It's like, listen, God is going to complete the work within you. He's not gonna let you stay the same, but he's gonna take you from glory to glory. He's gonna take you from this place to that place. He's not gonna let you stay the same, amen? God's not done with you. He's filling in those little gaps. And when your enemies attack, you'll be able to withstand every flaming arrow that comes your way metaphorically because God is faithful to complete that work within you. It says in Nehemiah 6, 9, that they were all trying to frighten us thinking their hands will get too weak for the work and it will not be completed. That's what the enemy said. Their hands are gonna get too weak. There's no way they're gonna be able to finish this. There's no way that they're gonna be able to stick together for this long. There's no way that they're gonna have that amount of perseverance and fortitude to get this wall built. They're gonna get tired. They're gonna get weak. And then it's gonna just stay halfway built. It's never gonna get finished. But what does Nehemiah pray right after that? Nehemiah 6, 9, at the very end of that verse, it says, but I prayed now, strengthen my hands. That's a word, amen, amen. When you feel like you're weak, what was the response that Nehemiah had when he felt that he was weak? When he felt like maybe the people are getting a little bit weak? Maybe we're struggling a little bit. He hears word, right? Like, they're all trying to frighten us. Their hands are going to get too weak. It's not going to be completed. They had that opposition. We talked about being built by opposition, right? Nehemiah understands that. And so he's not being crushed by that opposition. He's what? He's being built by it. And what is he saying? He's not saying, oh man, maybe they're right. Maybe I'm not going to be finished. Maybe I am just messed up. And, and I am, we are getting a little weak and the work is slowing down a little bit. It's been 30 or 40 days now and, and man, it's, it's slowing down and there's a little complaining here and there and what are we going to do? Uh, no, that's not what he says. He says, Lord, strengthen my hands. Help me to finish the work that you started within me. And in your life, it's the same way. When you have something that you're working on yourself in, you're working on that pride or that anger or whatever it might be for you, it could be different for every single person. You might feel like you've stalled in your growth, right? How many of you ever felt like that before? Just be honest. Like, I felt like that. I've stalled in my growth. I've stalled in my walk with God I've stalled in my family relationships and and maybe we've had some conversations over and over and over again. Like, I know I need to be better about this. I know I need to change. But then you start going right back to the same thing and you have to have the same conversation over again. Listen, it's a normal thing. So what do you do in that moment? You say, God, would you strengthen my hands? Would you help me? And would you complete the work within me that you have already started? And so if you're taking notes, I do want you to write that down because I think that's so important. That God will give you the strength to complete the work that he started in you. Nehemiah 6, 15 through 16. Let's keep going. The wall was completed on the 25th of Elul in 52 days. They finally completed the wall. Guys, we got to it. They finally completed it. When all our enemies heard about this and all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realized this work had been done with the help of our God. That is my favorite verse in this entire book right there. My favorite passage, when all our enemies heard about this, that the wall had been completed in 52 days, all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realized this work had been done with the help of our God. Why did they lose their confidence? Because it was built by God, amen? Like if, if you realize, if you're opposing somebody, and you realize that they have a supernatural being on their side, I'd be a little nervous as well, right? You know what I'm saying? Just being completely honest, if I'm gonna be in a fight with somebody and they have God on their side, I don't think I wanna be in that fight anymore. I think I'm gonna get out of there. So uh, the last point that I have for you today, if you wanna take notes, is when you're built by God, others take notice. When you are built by God, other people will know, It is not something where it's just like, oh, like maybe they are, maybe they're not. No, no, no. They're going to know. They're going to know. Well, let's go back to three little pigs. Well, why don't you take it back a little bit? You know, I I promised you I was going to relate all this back together, okay? Just work with me here, okay, guys? Three little pigs. The wolf blows down the straw and stick houses like it is nothing. When he gets to the house built by brick, what happens? He can't do it. He can't do it. And he gets so mad that he can't destroy the home that he tries to enter through the roof and then gets boiled in the furnace by the fire. You know what that reminds me of? Is it reminds me a little bit about the story of Job, right? Think about the story of Job. Satan was so frustrated that Job had his life built by God and that he could not destroy his life. That's the whole book of Job. Is Satan being mad that Job is serving God and Satan trying to mess up Job's life and Job not wavering? And Job's saying, you know what? I'm still going to serve God. Like, there's nothing you can do to make me curse God. It's just not going to happen. And Satan gets so frustrated. He kills his crops, his family members. He gives him sickness. It boils all over his body. All kinds of awful things that happen to Job. And he never once curses God. Let's be real. How many of y'all would have already cursed God at, like, the very beginning of that? Okay? Like, let's just be honest with ourselves. You start to go through a couple of little things. You're like, God, where are you? Oh, my goodness. What is happening in my life right now? This is awful. What are you doing? And yet Job never wavered. Listen, as a Christian, as a Christ follower, someone who loves Jesus and understands what he's done for me on the cross, I want to kick Satan in the teeth any chance I get. Does that make sense? Are we together on this? I want to punish hell for thinking that they can mess with me and my family. I want to put my foot on his head because that's what Jesus said that we could do. You know why? Because Jesus did it first. Like, you can't mess with me, bro. There's nothing you can do. You could take everything from me and I will not stop serving God. Why? Because I'm built by him. My life is not built on me. My life is not built on my success or my job. My life's not built on if this church does well. Does that make sense? Like, my life's not built on on me having great relationships with everybody, and if those relationships fail, then God is awful. No, no, no. My life is built on God first, and then everything else goes down from that. When you have your life built by God, just like the two little piggies, they have their lives built on straw. And sticks. Those people are gonna make fun of you. You know, it says in the story, right? They they build their houses with straw and sticks, and they're done real fast, naturally. The other one's doing with bricks, and it's heavy and it's difficult, it takes time, it takes perseverance. And they're off plane, having a great time, and they're over there like, hey brother, what are you doing? Look at this guy wasting his time with all these bricks bricks, bricks, bricks. Listen, I got mine done with straw and sticks and we good. and We having a grand old time and we're going out to the movies. You want to go? No, I'm still working. I'm building. Hey, we're going to go hang out with some friends and you know, I'm, I'm going to go on a family vacation wherever you want to come with us. No guys, I'm sorry. I can't. I'm still working on this home. I got to get this thing finished. It's taking some time. Yeah, we know it's taking some time. <laughs> this guy, right? They're making fun of him. Are going to say when you decide to build your life on God, they're going to make fun of you. Just be honest. They're going to. They're going to say you're wasting your time. Just live your life. Just have fun, right? Like that's what this life is all about. It's, it's about you, right? It's about having a good time, about getting what's yours and, and amassing wealth and things and stuff and people. That's what it's all about. Why read your Bible and pray? Why are you spending so much time doing that? It's pointless. You think this religion thing is getting you anywhere? They'll make fun of you until their house gets blown down. And then where are they gonna come to? You. Why? Because you spent the time building your life on something that is a lot stronger than what they built their lives on. You built your life on God. You built your life on Jesus, on the chief cornerstone, amen? Amen. And what does that mean is that when all of the other houses come crashing down, listen, I, I feel like sometimes that we failed in 2020 and COVID and stuff because sometimes I feel like we were just as afraid as everybody else. And I'm not talking about the sickness level of it, but I'm talking about your insides of, are, am I okay? Am I still trusting that God is good? Is my faith changing because of what's happening around me? Does that make sense? I'm not talking about the sickness stuff. I'm just talking about internally. Am I okay with God right now, no matter what's going on around me? That's hard, if we can be honest with ourselves. And when everybody's freaking out and when everyone's world is coming and crashing down, man, I wanna be the place and I want our church to be a place. And I personally want me and you to be a person that people can come to when they say, listen, my marriage is falling apart and I don't know what to do. You might not have all the answers, but you say, you know what, my life is built on God. And maybe some of these principles that I've learned maybe can help you. And hey, let me walk through this thing with you. Man, I have this addiction that I just cannot stop. Like I can't stop drinking. It's It's been years now and it's just messing up my family and my kids and all this stuff. I, I don't know what else to do. I, I just need some help. I don't know who else to turn to, but you, I don't know, like you, you go to church and stuff like that, right? Like you believe in God and all that. Like, I I don't know. Like that's how that conversation goes more often than not. They don't even know what they need. They don't even know what they're asking for. But what happens? They come to you because they're like, well, you seem like you kind of have some answers. Like you seem like you kind of have some stuff together. And they don't know that you still have your problems too, right? Like we still have our issues. But what they do know is that you have something that they don't. And then as you built your house with bricks and they built theirs with sticks, And that's a big difference. Listen, I want people to be able to come to me when they need help, when all of their world is falling apart. And listen, this is that chief cornerstone thing. Let me hit that for a second. I think this is very important. This is the last thing I'll say before we close today. Isaiah 28, 16. I don't know if everybody really understands what this means. So I felt like it would be helpful to explain it. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I'm placing a foundation stone in Jerusalem, a firm and tested stone. It's a precious cornerstone that is safe to build on. Whoever believes need never be shaken. Who is Isaiah the prophet talking about right now? Who is he prophesying about? Jesus. A foundation stone a firm and tested stone, a precious cornerstone. He says it's safe to build on. And if you believe, you're never gonna be shaken. He's described as a chief cornerstone in another passage. And what is a chief cornerstone? A cornerstone was the most important stone in any structure that was built. It would usually be placed in a corner, cornerstone, right? And it was very, very carefully sculpted and crafted. It had to be absolutely perfect in every single way. Why is that? Because after that cornerstone is placed, some of you that are in construction, you might understand. After that cornerstone is placed, it becomes the basis by which every other stone is placed every other measurement, all of the alignment, all of it goes off of that one stone that was placed at the very, very beginning. So it has to be perfect and has to be placed directly in the right spot. And that is what Jesus is described as. Everything is aligned towards that one stone. And in your life, I wanna ask you the question, is everything aligned with Jesus? Is everything aligned with God first? Because when you have Jesus as your cornerstone, everything else in your life should just line up with that. It becomes a lot easier. Imagine if you placed a cornerstone and it was all jagged and messed up and then you start to try to, for example, let's talk about these chairs, okay? Some of y'all see them when you come in and it's just like, well, that row's a little crooked or whatever. I hate when a row is crooked. It's not really that difficult to get it figured out. You know why? You put one chair, this morning, I think it was that one, that one chair right there. I had that chair and I placed that one in the exact spot that I wanted. I kind of, we had already started a little bit and I said, well, hold on, I've got to move these chairs around a little bit. I think it was that chair right there. When I placed that one chair, that row was able to be built out. And then when you have that row, now you know that these rows can be built off of that. And now you can go back off of that because you take two steps and then you put the next chair and then you take two steps, you put the next chair behind. And then those rows all line up. And how are the rows so perfect? It's because that one chair was put in the right spot. What if that one chair was turned just about eh, about five degrees off? Then all y'all be facing that way. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? That's exactly what this means. You'd all be facing the wrong direction. You'd all be just slightly off and my OCD self would be kicking in. It's just not going to work, all right? If you have your life placed with Jesus at the cornerstone, everything else will become so much easier. You can try to build your life off of culture. You can try to build your life off of other things. And most importantly, you can try to build your life off of you. That's cool if you want to try that. But here's the problem. You're not a perfect stone. You got some crooked edges you got some jagged things you got a little few pieces that have been chipped off we're not perfect but Jesus as the chief cornerstone the precious stone that's been firm and tested over time he is perfect in every single way the Bible describes him as the spotless lamb of God absolutely perfect and when you put him in the corner you know it's smooth on every side and you can build out from there but so many of us have built our life on different things. Listen, I had a guy tell me one time, he said, this was a really influential thing that he said to me. I was trying to figure out what direction I wanted to take the church in, in a few different ways. And he said this one phrase to me, I might've said it before, but he said, you could build your church off of you and it will look like you. Or you can build your church off of God and it will look like God. And that just, I don't know, that simple phrase just kind of changed everything for me. Like I can do things my way and how I know how to do church and it's gonna look a lot like me. And you know, there's nothing wrong with that. We'd probably be okay, but I'd much rather have God's way, amen? I'd much rather build this place off of what God wants to do, not what I wanna do and not even what you wanna do. I know that's hard to hear. But listen, even in your own life, let's translate it to you. You could build your life off of you and what is it gonna look like? It's gonna look like you. Flawed, broken, with pieces chipped off, all this stuff. Or you can build your life off of God and place Jesus, the perfect chief cornerstone in the edge of your life and build everything off of there. And what is your life gonna look like? It's going to look like Jesus. And that's what I want for you. Would everybody stand in this place today? I just want us to take a moment and just refocus our eyes on Jesus I asked Pastor Tim to play this song build my life and it's all about building my life on the firm foundation of Jesus like that's what it's all about amen we're not building it off of us we're building it on him and so what I want us to do is I want to take a second and just worship with you I want you to focus in on Jesus for a second and say, God, I'm building my life on you. I'm focusing on you, not on me anymore. I'm not building my life on my own, but God, I need your help. I need your plans, not my own plans. I can do things on my own and that's cool, but ultimately I need you to direct and guide my every step, God. Now, some of us maybe have just gotten off a little bit, but some of us maybe a lot. And I want you to just take a second as we worship together to reflect within yourself as we sing this song. Come on, let's sing it out together. your heads with me for a moment I just want to provide an opportunity for anybody that wants to say hey pastor I need to build my life on God I want to be built by God not on me anymore I don't my way hasn't been working I want to try God's way I guarantee you it's the best way and if that's you in this place you say hey I need to give my life to Jesus for the first time recognizing that I'm a sinner And that I need Jesus. He died on the cross for me, went down into the grave, and then rose again on the third day so that I could have life. Listen, if you believe that here in this place today and you want to give your life to Jesus and try his way instead of your way and be built by God, I want to ask if you'd raise your hand on the count of three. I just want to see you just raise your hand and put it right back down once I see you. If that's you, would you raise your hand? One, two, three. I see you. One, two, three. Come on. I see you right in the back. I see you here. Right here. I see you guys. Over here. I see you. I see you over there. I see you. Come on. Come on. That's about eight people again this week. Wow. There's eight last week, eight this week. This is amazing. Come on. Thank you, Jesus, that there's people in this place that are building their lives on you. Not building their lives on themselves, but on you in this place. And come on. If you would say in this place, hey, I just need to just refocus a little bit in this one area of my life. If you would just take a commitment to say, hey, I'm going to build my life on God in general. Come on, this is for everybody. Would you just raise your hand in this place? And I just want to pray for you. If that's you, say, I'm building my life on God. I have my hand in the air right now. Come on, there's a lot of people raising their hands in this place today. I want to pray for each and every one of you that you raise your hand. You're making this commitment to build your life on God. Maybe to refocus a little bit in areas that you have lost focus we're gonna ask that god would help you today so father god i thank you for every person giving their life to you today recognizing that we're sinners and that we need you that we need to focus our eyes on you lord i pray that you would take all of our sin and cast it as far as the east is from the west god i thank you for your grace and your love for us that even though we were still sinners you died for us anyway You died for us knowing that we were still going to mess up. Knowing that we still weren't going to be perfect. And yet you, the sinless, perfect, spotless Lamb of God. And the chief cornerstone. The perfect stone that had never messed up, never done anything wrong. You gave yourself up for us. And Lord, we are placing our lives, we are building our lives today on the solid rock of knowing who we are in you. So thank you, God, that you're taking our sin away and that you're washing us white as snow right now. God, I pray for peace over every person, for refreshing over every person in this place today. Come on, can you give God praise in this house if you just feel that? And we're grateful for eight people saying yes to Jesus today. Come on. Amen, that's good stuff. Hey, I want you to take the the community cups that are there with you. Yeah, come on, thank you. I want you to go ahead and open the the top off of here. Once a month, we take communion. We try to do the first Sunday of the month. What is communion? Maybe some of you don't know what this is. Some of you do. I want to make sure you know what we're doing here. Jesus in the gospels, he has... The Last Supper is what it's known as with his disciples. And he says, you have to eat my body and drink my blood. And they're like, what? (laughs) A few times he says this. He says, listen, you can't have any part of me unless you do this. And what do we know communion as? It is a representation of saying, hey, listen, as we are eating the bread, it represents the body of Jesus that was given for us on the cross. He gave his physical body and his life up for you and for me so that we could have life. It's incredible. And then the juice here represents, they had one, but the juice that we have here represents the blood of Jesus. It's the blood that was shed for you and for me in the Old Testament, right? They had all the animal sacrifices and and I know it's confusing a lot of times. Like why were they killing animals and sacrificing and all that stuff? What did that have to do with anything? And it was God's way of saying, hey, listen, the... The, the wages of sin is death. That's what it says in Romans, right? The wages of sin is death. All of us have sin and fall short of the glory of God. So technically, what do we all deserve? We all deserve death because of our sin. But instead of doing all these animal sacrifices and, and sacrificing the blood of these animals, Jesus said, let's stop doing all that craziness. I'm gonna give myself in my own blood, the son of God, perfect spotless lamb of God, so that we don't have to do this anymore. I'll give myself up for all of the past sins and all of the future sins that these people will commit. And they can have a way to commune with the Father because we know that sin is what separates us from God. And Jesus made a way for us to have access to the Father. Isn't that amazing? So that's why we do this, That's it's a remembrance of Jesus. And he said, do this in remembrance of me. It's the Holy Spirit calling. Here we go. So. What I want you to do is I want you to take a second and pray over this bread on your own, with your spouse, with a friend that's next to you, whoever's with you. And just go ahead and take it on your own time, all right? 10, 15 seconds, thank you Jesus. thank you for your body Jesus we thank you the body that was given up for us was beaten and bruised the crown of thorns put on your head you were whipped made fun of scoffed at nails put through your hands and your feet Jesus you did it all for us we're so grateful we remember you now we thank you if you wouldn't mind now take, open up the cup And this represents the blood of Jesus it was poured out for the sins of all of mankind. This one really gets me because if it wasn't for him, it'd be mine, right? It'd be yours. And that's hard for some of us to swallow like that bread, but That's a hard pill for some of us to swallow. Listen, I can't even get through communion without cracking dad jokes, all right. But it's my body and my blood that should be shed. It's the grace of God and the grace of God alone that Jesus did this for you and for me. It's a very important thing for us to do. And so listen, once again, if you wouldn't mind, take about 15, 20 seconds, pray with somebody next to you. And just say, thank you, Jesus, for your blood that was shed for me. In your own words, however you want to say that. And then go ahead and take the cup whenever you're ready. Jesus, we thank you for your blood that was shed for us. Thank you that you paid the ultimate price. And with it, you bought us back into the kingdom of God. That we can have a communion with you and the Father now. And you sent the Holy Spirit now to lead us and guide us in everyday life. Lord, I just ask now that you would help to seal this message today. That we would be built by you not built by us, not built by this world, not built by anything else, not our own success, not built by our own desires and our own wants, but God, we would build everything off of the chief cornerstone, which is Jesus. I pray that you would seal this word in each one of us and that as we go today, that you would give favor and blessing to every single family that's here in person, watching online. God, would you bless us as we go so that we could be a blessing to somebody else out in this world. And all God's people said, Amen. Hey, why don't you give God just a shout of praise, a little hand clap today. Thank you so much for joining us. Once again, I want to remind you, please sign up for a rad group. We want to get you connected. Uh, You can do that at Church Center app. And just thank you so much. God bless you. We'll see you next week.